there. Christmas Child is bringing God's love to children in East Africa in a very tangible way and sharing that love to the local church to make Christ real to these children. In a shoe box, I see a gospel opportunity to reach out to a child, to share the love of Christ. Go through 
child is like a seed. Once you invest in that seed, there's a lot more that you can. There's a saying here that you can you can't tell the number of seeds in a purple, but you can't tell the number of purples in the seed. So this child, once invested in, there's a lot of fruits and there's a lot of potential for the gospel to be spread. In the beginning, God created heaven and earth. My name is Daniela. I live in Uganda, Kampala. In one day, I received a shoebox. Um, my favorite thing that I received in the shoebox was the necklace seat. There are a lot of exciting things inside the box. I think it's good to see the shoeboxes because like, these people who are packing the shoeboxes, they do this because they love babies the kids and also like they want them to let, to have Jesus in their heart. After you see the nation book, I said it's the greatest journey. Through the years, we've been working with her and showing how using the greatest journey and other materials that we use in the discipleship courses. The reason I said it's the greatest journey was um, I felt happy for the shoe books that they gave me. We were happy, all of us. So, yeah. It was very good actually. It was encouraging. We learned how God created us, why He created us. We learned how to help each other. You shall love the Lord your God. You know that you're passing God what you learn to another person, not just keeping the knowledge in for yourself. You feel love. You feel like, you know what? I'm at home. I'm at home and I'm doing what I'm supposed to do right now. Yeah, improve the way I live and the way that I'm connected to my God. So it's now I know that I belong to God, I belong to Jesus, and that all my life is He. journey it's the real deal because it gets to train and disciple the children that have received the shoe boxes on how to live on how to love God and also to become disciples the discipleship ministry has helped us to explode into our communities to reach out to those who we had would never imagine reached out to it has made them ministers of the world in their communities in their schools in their homes so the greatest journey moves the child from that excitement, not to end there, but even to learn more and more and more of what God can do in their lives. There are millions of children in Uganda yet to receive a gift box. So we're looking forward to having God offer that opportunity to those children.
perish. <laughs> but blessed be the name of the Lord. If you have your Bibles with you, turn to the book of Hebrews, chapter 2. Hebrews, chapter 2. The title this morning's message is Little Lower Than the Angels. So I get amazed.
the grace of God might take them as you will. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Shall we? Father, we come to now in Jesus' name. We want to thank you, Lord God, for your word. Your word is quick and it's powerful. It's sharp as any two-edged sword. And I pray right now through Jesus that your word would cut down into our hearts, cut down into our souls, cut through the bones, Lord God, into the marrow, that we might feel you, that we might know you are with us, that you will never leave us or forsake us. And I pray, Lord God, you would cut through the hardness of anybody's heart this morning that does not know you. And I pray, Lord God, you'd cut through the hardness of any heart, Lord, who has turned away from you because of things of this world. And I pray, Father God, that today would be the day that you bring them back to you. That now would be the time to give your heart to you. It's in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Have you ever thought about who angels are? I don't know about you, but that's another question I get as pastor all the time. Pastor, can you talk about angels? Let me just tell you something about angels. Are you ready for this? Anytime and every time an angel shows up in the Bible, somebody gets scared out of their wits. They're like this. The angels show up and somebody starts being afraid. I don't know about you, but I think that I'm absolutely positively no different. If an angel showed up in my kitchen and said, Hey, old brother Josh, I would probably have a heart attack. If one showed up out in the garage, you know what he would tell me in my garage? He'd say, Boy, pick this place up. Angels show up at the most inconvenient time because they usually catch us when we're most discouraged or when we're searching for something. You know that? It's in the Bible. You're discouraged. You're searching. You're looking for an answer. And sometimes we like to call human beings angels. And do I believe that God can use human beings? Absolutely. But they're nowhere near the angels in the Bible. Angels are wonderful, majestic, eternal beings. Incidentally, just a quick clarification on what angels are this morning. You don't become an angel when you die. Some people think that, no, I'm going to go up to heaven and get myself a pair of wings. Wrong! You, if you got Jesus in your heart, you're going to go up to heaven and be praising God. You flying around like an angel. You don't get angel wings every time someone rings the bell. And incidentally, angels are not little fat babies that fly around holding people's heads. They're not fat little babies with wings fluttering or big-eyed girls with pupils the size of Texas. With hearts, you know what I'm talking about? No, we're talking about angels. These big, long-faced girls. Incidentally, biblically, there are no female angels. Every one of them is male. Every one is masculine. We know a few of them by name in the Bible. Michael, Tiberius, a few others. Those are all male names. Some of you might have strange stories this morning, and perhaps one day we can open up the floor to hear some of your angel stories. I know I've got a few of them myself, and I know my family has a few of them. But much prayer went in for my little brother, and I believe an angel showed up one day and revealed itself to my father to let him know that my brother is going to be okay. All of us have angel stories. Some are small and insignificant, and some are
morning that brings him, but I want to tell you this. You are a revelation to me that angels are visiting the angels on God's throne. Now, we can debate through a ruling of faith this morning about what happened there. Was it judgment? Was it something else? We don't know. Thank God we don't know. Thank God that all judgment has been given to the Son. Somebody say amen. Thank God that we're not the judge. Could you imagine that burden? Could you imagine that price? You think you're stressed right now, and all you got to worry about is which shirt you're going to wear tomorrow. Could you imagine if you had placed upon your shoulders the intent, the heavy weight of someone eternal condemnation? Is he or she good enough? Is he or she faithful enough? Is he or she what she said? if it's a man or a woman. You get in trouble for calling somebody the wrong pronoun nowadays. You know when I started calling people it? I'm, I'm not getting myself in trouble anymore. It! No tongue twister to pick up the same childish vision. We need to put those things aside. We need to leave all judgment to the Son and allow the Son to work it all out. This picture of the clouds here is magnificent. And it does resemble an angel regardless if you think it is one or not. And we know that. What is an angel to you? What comes to mind when you think of angels? Husbands? Who is Michael Lido? He is the chief of the angels. Right? He is the archangel. Michael, his name means he who is like God. We also know of another one throughout the times of the kingdom of archangels. Gabriel or Gabriel. He's the one that showed up to Mary and said, Mary, you're going to have a son. You know, that's the one and only time when an angel showed up that somebody was a scare out of their wits. He showed up and said, Mary, you're going to have a child. I would imagine his enunciation was gentle and slow. I think that, that angels can look it up and say, you guys can handle it. When they show up to men, they like to stare at them. So I think it might be. What about cherubim? Thought about that. You know, I'm one of those guys that love to think about things. And so I've actually. 
me sit my sister-in-law question. She's from Great Britain. And I said, so, sis, do you believe in Bigfoot? She said, no. I said, well, what do you call Bigfoot in Great Britain? She said, Big Meter. Watch the Astros game right now. 
mankind. We have responsibility as a husband. And I believe that's what it's first place in Houston. You have responsibility as a husband. You're responsible for your well-being, for the spiritual growth, and for the love of your family. You're responsible for your wife. You're responsible for your children. You're responsible for those all around you. And I've listed three things here on the slide for you this morning. We're responsible as a husband. As a husband, we are the spiritual leaders of our household. Did you know that? Amen or only? That means we are responsible for what comes in our house and what goes out of our house. And if you as a father are allowing unwholesome and unchristian things into your household, then you're the one that's responsible for it. Not the football coach, not the school district, not the television they're watching. You and you alone are responsible for that. We're the husbands of the house, and we've been given dominion over it. And you know what else? We're responsible for We're responsible as a father. We're responsible for what our children do and partake in and are a part of. We're responsible for that. Also responsible as human beings. That means that sometimes we have to love our neighbor as ourselves. You ever stop to think about how much we as mankind love ourselves? I love me a lot more than I like to admit. Loving my neighbor like that often becomes hard. Instead of looking at all the negative, let's look at some of the wonderful things that about being a man. Being man means that I can do my nails with a pocket knife. Mm-hmm. Being, being mankind means I can shop for my entire family for Christmas on December 24th at 5 p.m. and be done in 33 minutes. Praise God! Isn't it nice to be a man? I am fearfully and wonderfully made, the Bible says. Look with me in Psalm 139, verse 13 to 14. The Bible says, For you were formed in my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knoweth very well. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Do you know how fearfully and wonderfully made you are to know that God knit together your inward parts? That God puts it together by design. That there is absolutely, positively no accident in this world when it comes to His people. You are formed inside those mothers and your inward parts, lovingly formed by God. And the Bible says, Cover me in my mother's womb. I will praise you for I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. I want to share with you a neat story here. I call it the Joe Galloway story. Joe Galloway was a famous reporter. He was a famous reporter in the Vietnam era. Went all the way up into Iraqi freedom, into the uh, uh, Kuwaiti War, and finally retired after Iraqi freedom. But Joe Galloway served and made his name known in the Vietnam War. In fact, if you're familiar, you might have watched a movie that he's in called We the Soldiers, a wonderful, powerful movie with Mel Gibson on there. And some of you that haven't seen it, you're going to go out and watch it, but you need to hear that from me, okay? So, but it's a neat, neat, neat movie of the Vietnam era, and it shows a lot of military history. I love military history, and I love strategy. So that's a lot of things to spend the time in. And that's a movie that I've seen and loved. Not just that, but it reflects some of the difficulties my father went through as a Vietnam veteran. And I can only imagine the dreams that he lived with as he fought the Vietnam War from the day he died. The Joe Galloway story, however, is extremely interesting. He does serve in that very first confrontation, and he does serve throughout the entire Vietnam War. But his personal story is a lot better. In fact, Galloway's were in every American conflict. 
that America's ever had, one form, fashion, or another, up until he retired. Now it's seeing his children are struggling before him now. Joe Galloway's grandparents were Civil War veterans, and these are not their names. You see upon the street, just a picture I have here, of a Confederate soldier and a Union soldier. Both of them have lost legs. Joe Galloway's grandparents lost legs as well. And they met each other in a shoe store. And they would get together once a year after they met each other and pick out a brand new pair of shoes together. And their children, Joe Galloway's mom and dad, met each other through that relationship and got married and had just. What are the odds, if you think about that? What are the odds that that Union soldier lost the left foot and that Confederate soldier lost the right foot? Or that they had the exact same size feet? And God brought things together. So I want you to know that God made you who you are. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. And He reached out and designed you. And you are not here by accident. You are here on purpose. And God has a job for you. And God has a plan for you. And God has a place for you in His kingdom. Let me tell you how fearfully and wonderfully you are made. Are you ready for this? I want you to think about what it took for your mom and dad to get together. Not just that. But I want you to think about what it took for their moms and dads to get together to make them. Because if their mom and dad didn't get together to make your mom and dad, then you would not be you. You'd be somebody else. All the way back to Adam and Eve. I want you to think about how fearfully and wonderfully you're made. Now, I tell everybody who can hear me how wonderful my wife is. She's beautiful. She's intelligent. She's got a mind, y'all. And not just that, but she actually beats me in debate. I haven't won one in 23 years. Except for when she goes to sleep, I say, uh-huh, told you. And then you turn around and she'll say, what'd you say? Nothing. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Fairly and wonderfully made we are. I tell you about how wonderful my wife is. But I want you to think about what it took to put us together. Not only did I have to be at a place where God put me, not only did she have to be at a place where God put her, but God had to put my mom and dad together to make me. And He had to put my dad's mom and dad together to make him. And He had to put my mom's mom and dad together to make her. And He had to put Betsy's mom and dad together to make Betsy. And He had to put my father-in-law's mom and dad together to make my father-in-law. And He had to put my mother-in-law's mom and dad together to make my mother-in-law so that I can meet the love of my life. Fearfully and wonderfully made. God has a purpose for you. And you might be sitting there in the pews this morning saying, I don't know why I'm here and I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. Let me tell you right now, you're already doing some wonderful things just being alive. Amen? Because you're fearfully and wonderfully made. And you've got a job, you've got a purpose, and there's a God in heaven who thinks you're worth dying for. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. Why did just to make you? You're not an accident. You're made. to go into your backyard and take apart your car, and I don't know what kind of cars are out there nowadays. There's Hyundais and Hondas and Toyotas and Chevrolets and Fords and Dodges, and you name it. There's some Volkswagen. I don't even remember all of them out there. Let's say I took just two of those cars apart completely. Didn't break a single piece. 
took it completely apart, put it in a big sack, and shook them up and poured them out in the backyard. What are the odds of those cars falling back together or just one getting created into a perfect drivable car? Let's do something a little smaller. How about a wristwatch? Do you think that could happen? Of course not. You're not made by accident. You might be sitting there, but you said, I don't like the way I look, though. You know what? That's just the devil telling you to not be satisfied. You ever sat there saying, my nose is too big? Well, don't worry. Your ears will grow to match it for you. Don't you ever said, Pastor, my belly's too big? Well, you know what? Do what I've been saying for the last 22 years and go on a diet. You can change some things, but the rest of you is made for a reason. And you know what? We're made just a little lower than we need to be. Just a little bit lower. We reflect some of the angels' glory. In fact, the Bible says we were given dominion over the earth, and we have glory. How many of you men feel pretty masculine when you tell the dogs that they're there? I said, come here, boy.
who spoke them into existence. The one who said, Michael, you will be like me. The one who said, Gabriel, you will show up and tell Mary that I will be born unto her. She became lower than an angel. So I want you to go with me in your mind and your heart. That's firm. It's this morning. I know it's not Christmas yet. But if you're anything like me, as we start singing Christmas carols before November, you may get fat. Become lower than the angel. Go with me next week this morning. The Bible talks about the second coming of the Spirit of Man in Luke chapter 2. And out of the sudden, heavenly hosts saw the King. Out of the sudden, they showed up, and those shepherds got a glimpse into the heaven. They got to see what was going on all around them. They got to see the shepherds get a little glimpse up into heaven. And the Bible says they saw the heavenly host singing and praising God, saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill towards men. So if you think about what they're saying, you hear what they're saying. Jesus, you humbled yourself and you became lower. recognize you. We see you. We know who you are. You became lower than the angels. Made life unto us so that you might redeem us. What does that mean to become like we are? To become subject to the things that we are subject to. The things that sin brought into our life. Now you need to understand that Jesus does not sin. He remains sinless. But he becomes subject to the way we live. Meaning he has to be tempted, yet he has to pass through that temptation. That means he experiences the things we experience. He experiences tiredness. He experiences guess what? Hungerness. Look at James chapter 15, 5, 21. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. As Jesus humbled himself, Came a little lower than the angels. The Bible says he becomes sin that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Something went wrong when mankind was placed in charge. Something went wrong with the dominion and the glory and all the authority mankind was given. Something somehow went wrong. And we know where to do it. The Bible tells us somewhere mankind said, Somewhere, mankind said, I'll do it my way, and I won't listen to God anymore, and God doesn't matter anymore. And incidentally, as you look at the news today, as you look at our country today, as you look at people today, that's exactly what they're saying, is God doesn't exist anymore, and God doesn't care anymore, and God is far, far, far away, and He's not listening anymore. And what we've become is just like the original mankind. And He made Him who knew no sin to be sin for us. Might become the righteousness of God in him. Think about it. As Jesus pours himself out and humbles himself a little lower than the angels, that he might walk with us, that he might talk with us, that he might know us, that he might become our elder brother, that he might be the one who redeems us, that he might be able to say, as our high priest, I know what you're going through, and I know that if you will trust God in his word, then this too shall pass. If you will hold on to God's word, you will find victory in all things. 
back to our original text of Hebrews chapter 2. It says, do not neglect such a power of salvation, which is in verse 1. Therefore, we must give the more earnest heed to the things we have heard, lest we drift away. For if the word spoken to angels proved steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just reward. That first covenant that was given, that first covenant that contained those commandments that we're so afraid of, that we're so afraid to put on the walls in our courthouse, that we're so afraid to put on our heart or in our home because it might offend somebody. Therefore, we must give them more earnest heed to the things we've heard, lest we drift away. But the word spoken to angels proves steadfast. In other words, it doesn't matter what we can do. The word will always be here. Every transgression and disobedience received a just reward.
Bible calls that change being born again, being made new in Jesus Christ, by moving from the old to the new, from that which was broken to that which is fixed, to the new that is coming tonight. We're going to have a word of prayer, and if He has spoken to you, would you be willing to give your heart to Him this morning? Or perhaps you say, Pastor, I need somewhere to be a part of, to grow in, to worship in. Would you be willing to come and join us this life If you're going to be a part of it, let me tell you uh, from personal experience, use it as an opportunity to give out gospel tracts. I mean, they come to your door, and I give them gospel tracts. So uh, we'll be here tonight at 6. We'll be out about 7. And so uh, my intentions are to sit in the driveway and give anybody who comes by a gospel tract. So come and be a part of that and pray with me in that. Anybody else have any last-minute prayer requests, questions, or comments? Not, let's close in a word of prayer. Uh, Brother Mark Weeman, would you close in prayer for me? Yes.